submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. We call this podcast, Are You a Fan of the Dark? Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on our visit back to the Midnight Society's campfire for snark, nostalgic snacks, and plenty of chats about each episode of the beloved Nickelodeon show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? I'm Dale. And I'm Jody. And in this week's episode, we are going over the Season 1, Episode 9, The Sorcerer's Apprentice. I don't remember crap about this one. Abracadabra, right? Maybe? No. (laughs) I mean, really all I know is that this is the one that I think showed up in all the commercials that were on Nickelodeon. That showed a weird guy in really pale makeup, you know, bald, sunken in eyes, and he had a really terrible looking prop of a snake staff i don't know about the bald guy but i'm pretty sure the snake staff is correct in this case (laughs) tinfoil contraption that that thing was from what i do remember of this yeah it's not really a lot either i thought this was about four or five different episodes i cheated a little bit and actually took a look at the wiki to kind of refresh myself and no this is one that takes place at a school and this is kind of more almost seems like a psa on not using drugs. Oh. <laughs> so, because uh, they lead you into dangerous uh, behaviors. In this case, it's more of a drugs or more don't follow into sorcery, I guess, or, you know, you're going to become a delinquent. But yeah, that should all become clear as we watch the episode. Yeah, I thought it involved a field trip to like a, an Egypt museum, but I guess that's not the case because I peeked at the wiki too. I didn't look too deep into it because it got real confusing real fast. <laughs> Ancient studies class. Kid sees a sorcerer's staff, says, I am bewitched by the sorcerer's staff. I will become a sorcerer. Oh, so he's just going through his goth stage. (laughs) Yep, pretty much. That is dead on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Friend comes out of the woodworks. Why are you hating everybody in life? Why are you just giving up on your work? Uh, I found religion, Jesus, sorcery, magic, and I don't have to be a, you know, real person anymore. So he watched Lost Boys. Yeah. (laughs) okay he watched lost boys cool (laughs) totally in the goth stage here i'm pretty sure okay well since we uh clearly have no clear memory of this why don't we have our snack and then we'll go watch it all right sounds good all day you gotta do what they say Lunchtime is all yours. That's why there's Lunchables Pizza from Oscar Mayer. Make your own three real pizza crusts, sauce, all the toppings. No need to heat it no matter how you eat it. Lunchables brand pizza from Oscar Mayer. Your pizza has arrived. This week's retro sponsor is Lunchables. More specifically, pizza lunchables. (laughs) Jody has a look of absolute horror on his face. I want to comment, but the pain and the terror of my memory are just taking over. (laughs) For me, I know that I had pizza lunchables, and I know that was like supposed to be the coolest lunchable outside of Taco Bell when they had the soft taco ones. That was a thing? Yeah. Oh. I don't remember those. Um, I ate a lot of the off-brand, like just ham and cracker and cheese ones mm-hmm. because when i went on a field trip that would be my dad's like go-to thing when 
we weren't going to uh, Burger King or something during the field trip or whatever. He would just be like, oh, here's a here's a dollar Lunchable. Enjoy. <laughs> I care about you. So we didn't get the full Lunchable with the Capri Sun and the candy bar and all that. So uh, we just got the regular pizza Lunchable. I thought I had gotten the pepperoni one, but it's probably for the best that I didn't. One, because I'm a vegetarian. And two, just because Jody's a meat eater doesn't mean he wants to have diarrhea. Or a Lunchable. <laughs> or Lunchable. I, I made the three little cheese pizzas. See, I used to actually eat these when I was a kid. I do remember them quite fondly. Uh, that's inaccurate. Um, I do remember them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think I even got the uh, the multi-deluxe packs that did have the Capri Sun at some point. That was my mom's actual really caring expenditure of money for our food at that time. It just happened to turn out, unfortunately, really bad. Like, it was great as a child, because you had no taste buds. Yeah. Yeah, you'll pretty much eat anything. I mean, admittedly, when I was assembling these pizzas, like, the crust, quote unquote, um, it feels like stale tortillas. Yep. Really, My first really thought was actually, did you cook these? No. And I had that conversation in my head. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to eat these like you would on a school field trip. You normally don't have access to a microwave. Raw I mean, if, and unappetizing. If you're in Arizona, you could just like leave it in the sun for a little bit. But... <laughs> should. Outside of the mold it would generate, it would be a lot more appetizing. We have cold pizza sauce, unmelted cheese on a <laughs> stiff semi-tortilla crust. So in the commercial, the pizza is thrown onto a copying machine yeah. and printed out. And I feel like that is mostly what this is constructed <laughs> of. <laughs> it's basically going to taste like cold spaghetti sauce on a cracker, I think. <laughs> I hope that's the best. Well, oh, good, it's not dripping. So, through. cheers, I guess. Clink. Yeah. <laughs> that texture's terrible. Cracker was a strong word. <laughs> Definitely cold spaghetti sauce. Yeah, no, solidly. Cheese kind of disappears in the flavor of whatever this is. I don't taste the cheese, I just taste the, the spaghetti sauce. You don't have to eat it. I'm hungry now, I want it. <laughs> Do I don't want to eat it. Just... <laughs> it's tangy. <laughs> zesty. I wouldn't say zesty. I don't know what's better, this or the school pizza. Yours or mine? Because mine made people sick. The school pizza? Mm-hmm. Mine never did. Yeah. My school's pizza literally made people sick. They had to get rid of it. Um, That was also printed from cardboard, quite literally. So. I think the marketing campaign, more than anything, makes you want this because when you actually eat it, it's not horrible, but it's not great. It's an uncooked pizza. Yeah. And not in an uncooked pizzas and it was cooked prior and then it's still cold. No. Just as it's straight up uncooked pizza. This would be greatly improved by heat. Well, there's one more left. You want to pop it in the microwave? Just to see if there's a taste difference? You know what? Sure. Why the hell not? Okay. We'll be right back. Okay, so we're back from our trip to the microwave. And that was a murder on a plate. <laughs> yeah, it looked hideous after it came out. I mean, it started like crackling in a very horrifying way. Spaghetti sauce flows like blood, apparently, because this whole plate was covered in red sauce um, until I was, you know, scraped some of it back onto the uh, pizza. I mean, it, it, oh my god, it's still like molten hot. <laughs> Boiling lava hot. You know, it smells like um, one of those... Um, Food? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> one of those Totino pizzas. The, uh, the little, like, dollar ones. Yeah, I eat the shit out of those. <laughs> it's a little chewy. Now that it's hot, it's actually behaving like respectable food. Kind of. Still probably doesn't taste like it. Um, tastes like a Hot Pocket. That <laughs> bothers me in so many levels, actually. Or like one of those little, you know, mini frozen pizzas. Almost exactly like one of those mini frozen pizzas. 
Okay. Honestly, at this point, it's not bad. It needs a little salt, and whatever the hell this crust is made out of needs to go away. <laughs> Hot Pockets! Hot Pockets tasted better than this. They at least had a crunch <laughs> and flavor. <laughs> okay, so it's slightly improved with heat, but it's still not... Um... I think the major problem on this is honestly the, the bread. It just It's very bland, unsalted, or flavored, and moist. <laughs> Unmoistened. Yeah, so it's definitely the uh, nostalgia factor for those boss commercials that made you want these because they're not good. <laughs> they're not terrible. They're slightly better than what I remember, but yeah, they're still not good. Okie doke. Well, since we got that all uh, out of the way, how about we move on to the episode? Okay, so Jody and I just finished watching The Sorcerer's Apprentice. And wow. Just wow. I'm kind of, um, <laughs> yeah, slightly confused. <laughs> there and was a, a lot to this episode. Yeah, there was, there was a lot. So, this was, like I said before, Season 1, Episode 9. This was written by Stephen Zoller, and it was directed by DJ McHale. It is not what I remember. I actually started to remember this more as we went along, so that was very pleasant. <laughs> yeah, so it begins with uh, the Midnight Society walking through the forest, specifically being led by Frank, to some plot of Earth that is obviously freshly turned, and he references it as a grave. Um, of course, as the kids all get close to it, a fake skeleton is plops out of the ground. Kids run off. Eric in particular is screaming, run, run, run for their life. And then Kiki comes out and gives Frank a high five like, yeah, we totally scared them. We're and they awesome. both yell, psych. I have no idea why this was even put into the episode. It doesn't really tie into anything. Yeah, as far as the lead-in goes, it doesn't quite match up. Cut to Kiki, who's playing with the skull of the skeleton. I'm over-skipping a couple of things. There's a little bit of arguments, discussions. Not everyone in the group is very happy about the... Uh, the prank that was pulled on them, Eric in particular, is a little sore because he reacted so badly yeah. and doesn't like it being pointed out. The skull goes to Betty Ann, and the only real reference for this part to the rest of it is that her tale is about a head of a different sort. Uh, in this case, meaning the head of a cult. My story is about a head of a different sort. An ancient wizard's good luck charm. Pick it up, and the world can be your oyster. But let the holder beware. This charm maybe more than you bargained for and that completely went over my head <laughs> uh betty ann in her typical betty ann fashion i don't really like her tales no, no. not really <laughs> it opens with the shot of this high school and she's like this story starts today but it actually started long ago but it actually started thousands of years ago before that but i'm getting ahead of myself anyway in 1966 that was verbatim well yeah. done seriously well done <laughs> so we get these shots of a girl running through a high school at night she's running yeah. through the basement of a high school which is a really big weird basement i this is an industrial basement three stories deep of basement filled with huge cooling vats it's really weird it's like the basement of uh the new sunnydale high in in the last season of buffy yeah yeah completely unrealistic and never actually existed inside of a basement for a high school ever yeah yeah <laughs> i.e it's a factory somewhere yeah uh we see her put some rocks in a basket yeah who knows what's actually in them I supposedly don't. it's a stone 
that yeah. will be shown later. But the bag that's actually dropped, you can't tell, and it's not as big as the item that's revealed. <laughs> yep. I mean, I think the reason they were showing that is because the girl has a red cobra tattoo on her forearm. Yeah, ultimately what you're able to see is that this girl with the red cobra tattoo and red hair to match yeah. um, is hiding from the security guards who are chasing her down the halls, dropping this stuff into a basket, a uh, chlorine basket, ironically, uh, to hide it for later, and then she's ducking out and running away. Um, and that's all we find out about her. And then we jump to present day to a chemistry classroom where we meet Dean, who is apparently a schlub. <laughs> He's so cute, though. <laughs> I don't know about that. But when they showed this classroom and I saw those tables, I was immediately like, oh, my God, <laughs> I remember those tables. My yeah. chemistry class, too. Although we never used the sinks or the, the gas things in my chemistry class. Uh, we did not either, though we did end up using both sinks and gas for something else, just not the ones at our table. Yeah, no, the teacher always did, but we never did at our own personal stations. Basically, we're introduced to Dean, who's kind of a dumbass. I don't know, he's the typical depressed teen kid who's like, I can't do anything right. I hate everybody because I can't do everything right. Yeah, the only thing this kid has going for him right now are his looks. Otherwise, he dresses poorly. He has no idea how to do school. Yeah, he's dumb as shit. He apparently has a very antagonistic teacher who hates his guts for no apparent reason. Maybe that's partly why he's doing bad <laughs> at school. Yeah. You're going into perdition, Dean. <laughs> yeah, his teacher's kind of a jerk. He fails this chemistry test, and then he's, you know, being depressed and mopey walking down the hall where we meet his best friend, Alex who is supposedly the exact opposite of him, but we don't really see that. And then, of course, we jump to the next scene where they're in World Cultures class and they have a special guest. They have an archaeologist named Dr. Oliver who's showing all these kids these crazy weird artifacts that maybe she's dug up? Oh, but she's so excited. Here's the dagger that was used for sacrificial victims in Babylon to cut out their hearts. This is a bowl where they used to have salt. It was used as a weapon, of all things, to ward off evil spirits. And here, the magic scepter from Babylonia, the snake staff, and big applause, cheering. It is a metal staff. It is metal. I, it's probably aluminum. Uh, it has been welded together, because you can see the welding lines. It is bad and chintzy. It is a horde piece. It could be hot glue. It I could don't... be hot glue. Oh. I could be, it couldn't be, it may not even be metal. It may actually be cardboard with, I think I could probably reproduce this myself, come to think of it. Now, what offends me so much about this fucking thing is that she's like, this was from a recent dig. So we have this archaeologist who obviously does not give a shit about preserving artifacts. She's just bringing them to high schools willy nilly and being like, everybody, look at these. And it gets worse a little later. Yeah. Now, also, by the end of this, this all makes sense. Yeah, I uh, guess. Her complete disregard, the lack of caring. <laughs> yeah. So she explains that the staff belonged to High Priest Goth, who was just this really all-powerful high priest, and he was allegedly able to give you any power you desired. And while she's going on talking about this, uh, Dean, real excited, he's like, oh, that's what I want. <laughs> I um, want to be a goth. <laughs> yeah, he wants to be a goth so bad. <laughs> so, just as a quick aside, uh, Dale, now knowing that you called... <laughs> I did. <laughs> that his goth phase was coming? <laughs> that his goth phase was coming. 
how do you feel? Ashamed. <laughs> As most kids do in their high school goth phase. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, after class, uh, Alex is joking with Dean. She's like, yeah, that was a bunch of stupid crap that we listened to. Who's this, who's this goth guy? I'll give you all the power you want. We don't believe in that, right? Right? And Dean's like, mm, yeah. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't believe in that. I gotta go. Uh, I had things. Now, I also thought it was very funny that um, Alex is actually making fun of Dr. Oliver. Yeah. Because she thinks uh, this is obviously uh, a person who's just trying to trump up what she does. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she has a complete and total disrespect uh, for archaeology and anthropology entirely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which I just, I got a major kick out of that person. Yeah. Um, so Dean goes back into the classroom and there's no one else in there, but, uh, you know, Dr. Oliver is still with the artifacts and she sees him and... He is just kind of innocently looking at the stuff on the table, and she comes up to him, and she gets all up in his personal space, and she's like, do you like what you see? Well, you know, if if you like these things, you can touch them. Like, it's it's really weird. Okay, I did not have any <laughs> indication of the extreme sexual overtones you just kind of hinted at there. It's not um, sexual. It's just this but, really weird, culty sort of behavior. Right, but also, again, priceless artifacts, antiques. Yeah. Yeah, feel free to touch them. No problem. Maybe I have another convert on my hands. That's what I'm here for. Piqued your interest, did I? Yeah. It's become a passion for me. Unlocking the secrets of ancient civilizations. It's pretty cool. Indeed. Take your time. Don't be afraid to touch. Maybe I found another convert. That's what I'm here for. And she just walks off and Dean's like, oh, yeah. And he immediately goes for the snake stuff. I've been wanting to touch this serpent since I saw it. And there's this really dramatic scene where he looks deeply into its eyes and they fall in love. (laughs) That's the end of the episode. (laughs) Yeah. You can always tell when somebody falls in love because the other person's eyes glow red. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so, um... Oh, so that happens. He's completely enchanted by the staff. It's it's very sweet. Uh, cutscene to Dean, now owning the world, walking down into, uh, lo and behold, the basement. And following quite literally the steps of the red-headed girl from before. In 1966. 25 years ago. Right up to that chlorine basket, pulling out the magical rock questionable contents that was in it yeah and then clutching it in his hands in a victorious fashion now he also like he's obviously in like this dazed state when he's doing this um but he seems to be able to magically unlock things too yeah just without trying okay so that's actually a really good point um (laughs) so dean's just going through this place and from this point on he actually has this weird just auto unlock ability yeah um it works in the chemistry labs it works down here wherever the then why did he need the key? Well, he just generated the freaking key. I mean, that's this is even questionable in the first place. Okay. He's just we'll got the, the auto unlock ability. It's just very weird. But uh. yeah, nothing at this point. Literally, nothing in this entire world is is barred to him anymore. Yeah, he's able so... to go and wherever he wants, willy nilly. Period. From this point on. Yeah. So he starts <laughs> acting really weird. It cuts to the next day, Mrs. Crenshaw's class, uh, the chemistry class, and it's another test. Go figure. And instead of taking the test 
and failing like Dean normally does, Dean doesn't fill anything out. He walks up to the front, hands Mrs. Crenshaw the incomplete paper, and says, It's done. <laughs> she laughs and tries to pass this off as a joke, saying, like, go fill out your damn sheet. And he stares her deep into the eyes and says, I've aced it, Mrs. Crenshaw. She goes, yes, you have, Deanie boy. A pluses that sheet and he walks the hell out. Yeah, and then that's when Alex confronts him and is like, why didn't you take the test? What the hell? And he's like, I did take the test and I aced it. What? Are you mad at me? Yeah, just... you just want to see me fail like everyone else, like I've done all my life. I'm totally on board with this at this point. This is my emo life stage. <laughs> I have had enough. I'm finally cool. I can make people write me A pluses. I don't need to learn this shit no more. I'm winning. Leave me alone. So apparently there's a little bit of exposition after this because Dean kind of separates himself from Alex. And I guess over the next few days, uh, they don't really say, but probably over the next few days, he starts hanging out with completely different kids. He starts dressing differently and acting completely differently. Yeah, and you already have an idea that the this is coming because uh, Dean could never dress himself in any capacity before this. Uh, and suddenly, on the day of the test, he manages to wear a form-fitting shirt uh, and, like, pants that actually fit him again. And so. the next <laughs> scene where Alex actually sees him, he's wearing a leather jacket. Oh, yeah, and he's also stealing out of the chemistry cabinet. Because <laughs> it's unlocked, because obviously he can just open whatever he wants. But I love this whole goth phase he suddenly starts going through, and I hate it because it's accurate, uh, where he's like, I'm a bad boy now, so I'm going to wear dark clothes. Now I'm a real bad boy. I'm upgraded to leather jacket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alex sees him stealing, and she tries to go confront him about it, but he already runs off. She looks in the cabinet and sees that he's still in mercuric acid. What's that? Non-existent. It's hmm. not a thing. So I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, Jody and I actually had to pause the episode to do some research and figure out what the hell this stuff was. Because mercuric acid doesn't exist. What it probably was supposed to be is muriatic acid. Also known as hydrochloric acid. And that comes into play. That's important later. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Alex is like, this is not cool. I don't know where he's going with that. I'm going to follow him. So she follows her friend as they go down into the labyrinth that is the bowels of the school. The three stories basement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where there's like random water falling. The, so, okay. Seriously. There is a clear <laughs> plastic tarp yeah. that descends... <laughs> For two stories, you can tell because it's coming from the ceiling, goes through the stairwell that is one floor, and then continues on, and it is just constantly having water run off of it. What the hell is going on there? I, I don't know. But she eventually finds Dean's little AA group down in the basement, and they're all gathered in little folding chairs around the snake staff. <laughs> specifically around a barrel which the snake staff has been propped um like taped to yeah <laughs> to stand up behind there's some vague green light going on and a little bit of smoke and fucking dean is pouring the acid into the bucket so now we're introduced <laughs> to the cult aspects going on here where dean begins to talk about the pathway yeah. is the acid and belladonna is, is the, the nightshade for the mystic vapors. Oh my god, it's so bad. So they pour in the mercuric acid and they throw in some choppings of the plants outside. Yeah. And 
a green light and smoke starts to billow out. Now, we know this is acid. We're assuming this is a poisonous plant, if it's belladonna, so yes. So these kids are high <laughs> um, as fuck. Yeah, somehow they're not dead. It's very weird. <laughs> well, they're just far enough away, so it's not really killing them yet. At this point, seeing all of this, Alex throws her bag on the floor. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Alex is very bad at being quiet in these situations. And I love this scene, because it really is. If you look at her, she throws her bag on the floor. She just straight up the fuck and just drops it <laughs> yeah well and then yeah they're like oh shit somebody's here so dean sixes little cronies on her and they go chasing her through the labyrinth again fortunately it's a labyrinth so she ducks into a corner they run by she goes right back over to where dean was and is trying to figure out what the hell's happening yes and then dean pulls out the big guns the big crystal balls the big crystal ball and puts it in that um Perfectly shaped snake's mouth. Giant, gaping, welded-on maw. Yes. (laughs) And it fits like a glove. (laughs) Like a loose, rolly trap glove. (laughs) It's so bad. And it starts glowing red. It is also in love. (laughs) (laughs) It's the heart. It's, It's just happy to see him. Crystal starts glowing, and then suddenly, from out of the mystic vapors, what it would appear but... Zordon. Anti Zordon. <laughs> no, it's Goth. <laughs> Goth, the anti Zordon. Welcome, Goth, ruler of the Nether Realm. I have waited centuries for an apprentice such as you, young one. The acolytes have been gathered. We are ready. Excellent. There is one final task to be performed before I am freed from this infernal dimension of darkness. I await your command. Before the moon rises tonight, you must gather the nightshade and prepare the cauldron. The mystic vapors must be released. The cauldron will be prepared. Do this, my young apprentice, and all that you desire shall be yours. And the power of the universe will be mine. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, Goth's ghost, I don't know what the fuck it is, it's talking to Dean, it basically says, hey kid, you gotta make me more vapors. (laughs) Pretty much. I think it loses something in the translation (laughs) when you say it that way. You're accurate, don't get me wrong. Angie's word on. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Yeah, he... Uh, he basically tells Dean he needs to conduct a ritual at midnight, needs to make more vapors, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, give me a big cauldron. Uh, put a lot of belladonna and a lot of acid in that and make the mystic vapors go everywhere. Now, that's a pretty cool deal, personally, because Dean is being promised uh, whatever he wants, mm-hmm. more or less, in exchange for making a really big pool of acid uh, and belladonna leaves and... Goth also manages to get the universe, is what his plan is. If he can just make a really big vat of acid and belladonna leaves, total world dominion is his, universal dominion is Goth's, this is not a plan that could possibly go wrong. Right after they reveal their epic plan, Alex knocks some shit over. Well, it's because Goth laughed. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so hear me out. Goth laughs, and it is the creepiest thing I have seen in a long time. This actor, full props, that man has an amazing over-the-top 
uh, representation here. But when he laughs, his entire face wrinkles in a way that is kind of horrifying. <laughs> and I would agree with Alex in this case that she turned, ran as fuck as fast as she could. <laughs> Did not matter if she went through seven barrels and a screaming cat. She was out of there. <laughs> yeah, well, she realizes that she's caught, so she runs out of the labyrinth. The cronies are nowhere to be found. So she's like, shit, I gotta go find some help. So she goes and she runs to find Miss Crenshaw. She's actually trying to find Dr. Oliver, but she can't find her. And Miss Crenshaw is the next best thing. And Miss Crenshaw knows that Dr. Oliver has just left recently. She's out to go see other promising students to see who wants to join in on her um, studies. But perhaps Mrs. Crenshaw could help. Or perhaps Goth could help. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Crenshaw is possessed. You can tell because she's gone from wearing regular colors to wearing a black shirt. Oh no. <laughs> In fact, this becomes painfully obvious as Alex runs out of the room screaming, Oh no, I need help, and runs into more kids wearing black. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, Well, shit. Apparently, most of the school is possessed. So she's running through the school trying to find anybody, and she winds up running into the auditorium of all places. Dean, in his drama queen emo phase, is sitting on the fucking stage, sort of laid back in a chair, I guess, trying to pose cool. <laughs> he is cool. He's in the casual lean back that I'm important stage. That is that is the exact pose you use for that. I guess. I nonchalantly happen to be here. So Dean and Alex have this conversation where Alex is saying, you know, Dean, I'm your friend. And Dean goes, yes, Alex, you are. And that's why I'm going to let you live. Uh, leave. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I won't turn you. But you need to realize half the school is mine. The teachers, the students, goths coming, baby. Yep. We're back. Hello, Alex. Don't be scared. It's only me. I am scared. What's going on? Dean, what are you doing? You called it. My luck finally changed. I'm not getting dumped on anymore. I'm in charge. And I like it. So he lets Alex go. Yeah, Dean goes running out. And he doesn't run like a normal person. Oh god, he, no, yeah. He totally turns and does a loping ninja run with the arms back, not usable. Yeah. And just like head pointed out like some sort of bloodhound and just lopes down the hole <laughs> but yeah him and his like six other cronies totally form a bike posse alex follows them and discovers them stealing drums of acid from somewhere yeah and unexplained too so they go driving off for like an hour because it's bright daylight outside it's maybe nearing sunset and then it's dead dark so they go at least for 40 minutes yeah right running somewhere on their bikes which again alex somehow follows them on foot because she doesn't have a bike anywhere <sighs> and then they they're waiting for her, logically. Of yeah. course they would be. They jump her, yeah, and she's like, you need to stop doing this, Dean. And he's like, yeah, nah, I tried to give you a chance. I'm not going to let you go again. Sorry, we're going to take her prisoner, put her in the van. No, that's the point I wanted to bring up. Where did they get a van? That. <laughs> Mrs. Crenshaw, probably. That's a good point. Okay, that could be the missing hole here. They needed an adult. The mini. Um, okay, maybe they met up with Mrs. Crenshaw, who just went down to the local mercuric acid facility uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> to, to get the couple drums of big poison-stamped mercuric acid. So anyhow, apparently they have a van. Apparently they've now got two gallons of mercuric acid that yep. they picked up from somewhere. Not two gallons. Sorry, two drums. Yeah. 50-gallon drums. So 100 gallons of mercuric acid they picked up from yeah. somewhere. 
and they take their new spoils, including Alex, and drive right back to the damn school. And, of course, they lead her down the hallways, they have her prisoner, and they're, like, going in this really dramatic line, and Dean's kind of explaining to her what's going to happen. So it turns out there's this room that's been down there in the bowels of the three stories of basement where this kid was found 25 years ago. Insane. Batshit freaking crazy. And after that, it's been boarded up and locked down ever since. But, getting back to the key, Dean had picked the mind of some poor janitor earlier and turned them into a follower of goth so he now has a complimentary black turtleneck yep and they now have the key to this locked 25 year old room turns out it's a giant pool yep it's the school's pool it's a perfect place to pour the acid and do the nightshade and and whatnot because it's a giant cauldron basically dry as a bone plugged up so there's no running water sure why not (laughs) so they um start setting up for the ritual they put the staff on a special little stand (laughs) it's waiting i love it (laughs) yeah they put the little crystal ball in its mouth and they get ready to start the ritual yeah so alex is being held back by two of the flunkies the other flunkies go to move the barrels and of course they're heavy and they're high school students so they don't dean pulls the two flunkies holding alex off to go help out the other idiots to go move the barrels and alex is sitting there going really yeah (laughs) and she winds up hiding behind another barrel that just happens to be in the area that is marked chlorine yeah she tries to leave but of course the door is locked so there's nowhere else to hide yeah, so they're, they're pouring the acid into the pool at Dean's commands. Finding that she's not bound or imprisoned or even being watched or guarded, Alex does what anyone that's semi-smart would have done and runs over and yanks the frickin' crystal out of the snake staff. Yeah, and Dean doesn't give a shit. He's like, yeah, it's too late. I'm already too powerful. Do it. Do it, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's not without effect. All of the puppets drop like their strings are cut. But Dean doesn't need them anymore because they poured the acid in the pool, so whatever. (laughs) Right. So he pulls out his lawn bag of freshly cut trimmings and throws the belladonna leaves into the acid pool. There's a crazy green light that happens, and Goth rises from the vapors. I was so keyed up for this. (laughs) (laughs) It was so crazy and dramatic. It was. I love every fucking second of this. I really do. understand what he was saying i honestly swear that he said that he was the master of stitching arts stygian oh okay <laughs> where have you been i don't know where has all of our occult and dark demonic research gone <laughs> i don't know i'm like the master of stitching arts so goth <laughs> he's really good at, he's very at good at stitch. so the the entire point is goth is supposed to be the master of stygian arts yes. <laughs> meaning the land of stygia and the dead, where he is currently bound. <laughs> but not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he has this crazy long, like, monologue as he's rising from the vapors and Alex is freaking the fuck out. Alex throws the orb and it breaks and there's a red flash. She's thrown against the wall. Dean's thrown against a wall. And, and knocked the, conscious. The spell's broken. Okay. Yeah, so Dean now actually realizes, oh, crap, bad things are happening. Goff gets up and goes on his tirade. Now, the guy playing goth again i love this actor he's just it's so over the top and the they have him in a huge suit yeah, it's <laughs> that, <very> that's horrid 
God. I like. I love it. I really do because it's so bad, but it looks like it should be so good. He's got like six foot shoulder pads on. <laughs> I mean, he's got this huge chest. A weird rubber necklace. <laughs> a, we- a weird rubber necklace. It's very elegant. <laughs> but he rises and he basically like hones in on Alex because he's like, "You're the one that keeps interrupting and messing stuff up. You're gonna die first. You yeah. will be honored to be my first victim, basically. It's so good. And Dean goes to try and help, but he can't move. Yeah. Some sort of paralytic psychic power is causing him to be stuck where he's at. But he can direct Alex on how to save herself. Yeah, <laughs> which is dumb because Alex is smart. Like, why should she have to have Dean tell her what to do? Because she's like, ah, Dean, help me. Please, uh, do something. Yeah. Also, why would you trust the advice of this idiot? Yeah, he's he's a loser. I don't know if she, it's because she's so terrified or whatever. She doesn't know what to do. And Dean's like, get the chlorine. Go and get the chlorine. So she listens. Um, And we're going to not say what the actual effects of this are just yet. But she grabs the barrel of chlorine and moves it herself because... Unlike the other high school kids, yeah. she does work out and she's apparently strong. is a good student. So she's uh, physically fit. Pours the chlorine into the pool. And and my favorite lines in this whole bloody thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Goth is, is very unamused. He, he does not think very highly of humans. <laughs> Your pitiful human science cannot. Wait, what is happening? happening? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Oh, my God. Just his face is absolutely horrified as the chlorine reaches the oh. uh, the belladonna and acid. Yes, the at, clover. At mm-hmm. the other end of the pool. Chlorine in the pool. Your human science has no hope of... What is happening? The nightshade. He's like, fuck! And then all of a sudden he explodes! Just explodes! Yeah, he straight up poofs. Hardcore, a thousand percent. Man, this actor, again, right up to the hilt of everything. Thousand percent poofs into a giant smoke cloud, pool wide. Yeah. Uh, just curls up against the ceiling and comes back down. It's, I just, oh my god, it just made me think of Sokka. Like, <laughs> wow. It did. It's the uh, episode where the crazy believers are really into that fortune teller and they're like, can your science explain why it rains? Yes. Yes, Yes, it can. can. (laughs) Science saves the day. (laughs) (laughs) So unfortunately, science doesn't technically save the day. So we'll cut back for just a minute to explain... Chlorine gas. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what would have happened. When mixed with other forms of bleach or acid, <laughs> creates a highly toxic and poisonous cloud of vapor. Inside of a giant poof scenario, pool-wide, like we have in this description. A very enclosed, <laughs> non-ventilated room. That's been locked away for 25 years and is already musty as all hell. Filled with a bunch of kids, most of which are passed out right now, and other two which are breathing really hard because their lives are saved and they're on a full adrenaline rush. They're just inhaling massive amounts of chlorine gas. <laughs> yeah, they would have severe trouble breathing, followed very likely by asphyxia and probably immediate death if they did not get out of there soon which don't do this kids (laughs) yeah they they get out of there relatively quickly but so okay so the big question mark why chlorine 
Yeah. Why chlorine? Of all things, why would you pour chlorine into another acid or some other type of corrosive where that seems like it's just going to increase what you're doing? Uh, Alex asks Dean why, and he's like, oh, well, it was on Mrs. Crenshaw's chemistry test or whatever. Chlorine kills bacteria, and the belladonna leaves were organic, so I figured that'd kill them. Yeah! <laughs> so, God damn. I, what? So my guess, my only guess, is that with the contribution of excessive chlorine into this, it killed off the belladonna faster than was expected. It wouldn't, <laughs> though. The belladonna's already dead. It's been cut off the plant. Yeah, it would have just bleached it. Yeah, it wouldn't have, like, incinerated it. If anything, the acid would have incinerated it. Yeah, or your best case scenario is, that, or worst case, I guess, depending, is actually it would have just made Goth come forward faster because it would have just opened the portal more. I, I, I don't know. So uh, our moral of the story is that Betty Ann has no fucking idea how chemistry works. Because mercuric acid isn't a thing and chlorine wouldn't kill a plant that was already <laughs> dead. Like <laughs> It's the bacteria on the belladonna. It, it killed the bacteria, probably. You know, the acid would do that, too. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I don't, I don't get. It. I, I think everybody in the Midnight Society is pretty disgusted with it too, because they're just like. I kind of have that feeling a lot with Betty Ann stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I hate to say it, but it's just a little bit of uh, not really knowing what she's talking about. Yeah, but before we get back to the Midnight Society, uh, everybody files out of the pool room, and they leave everything there. Yeah, nope, not even bothering. <laughs> Ancient staff of some sort of dark, powerful sorcerer. That's a thing. No worries, leave it there. The adults will take care of it. Then it pans back to the staff that was left there. And cuts back to Dr. Oliver, uh, showing an off the side, who has the stone in her hands that had been thrown. And she says, well, that failed, but I've already planted uh, more stones in high schools around the countryside. And to think, 25 years ago, they thought I was mad. And Dr. Oliver puts the stone into the mouth of the statue to reveal the snake tattoo wrapped around her arm from the same girl back at the beginning of this whole episode. And it ends. And then we get back to the Midnight Society, and everybody's like, okay, uh, I think I smell a sequel. It's going to be the end of the world. And Gary's like, yeah, okay, meeting over, bye. <laughs> they put out the campfire and walk away. So... This yeah. this episode. This episode was weird. It, I liked it. I really did. It I did was too. it was comedic gold. Like there were so many bad things going on that were so funny in this whole whole bit. Everything with golf was fantastically <laughs> overdone. It was great and lovable and horrid in its execution. Yeah. Which was perfect. <laughs> It was a special kind of something, definitely. I definitely don't like Betty Ann's stories. No, Betty Ann. I I like that they are actually trying to put a a flavor for each character, but Betty Ann just does not know what she's talking about. No, and I mean it's not really her fault per se. It's whoever actually wrote the story. Yep. But uh, yeah, uh, as far as spooky, this wasn't scary. No. Um, <laughs> I would give it like a four. <laughs> or three. I, there, there is potential for terror in the fact that, yeah, this drug, drugged out group of people is just trying to screw around in this school, but they're not doing anything horrifying, really. No, they're not. They're just going to kill themselves. And, like, I don't, 
I mean, Goth is like, yeah, I'm going to take over the world, but he doesn't say that he's going to do anything evil, does he? Well, he's implied he's going to hurt Alex, but that's really it. So, I mean, ultimately what we actually have here is a friend who's trying to stop her cohort, her other friend, from committing a suicide pact. I mean, realistically, yeah, uh, the vapors, the, the effect that's going on here, Dean was going to kill himself and the other kids in that whole room. That was how this episode was going to go in a more realistic fashion. Um, and Alex is fortunately able to go with the weird-ass vision that they both had <laughs> and save him from himself. I, I really just got to say to Dean, you're in a cult. Call your dad. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hell of an episode though but definitely not the high stakes score i would still give this a seven to be honest though just because it was so fun um i loved goth i really do the rest of it though is just so bad and so overacted all right let's move on to our recommended screaming for this week's recommended screaming I am going to be a little more general this time because we're just dealing with a cult. So I would recommend anything you can find out there about Jonestown. Now, if you've never heard about Jonestown, it's really messed up. It's where the phrase uh, don't drink the Kool-Aid comes from. It involves Jim Jones and his cult, the People's Temple. And it is an absolutely just horrifying and fascinating story about what could happen basically to anybody you know most people that wind up joining cults are actually highly intelligent highly successful people it's not you know you aren't necessarily <laughs> you aren't necessarily dean it, it's really the unexpected people that join cults i mean look at scientology that is a legit cult too uh, anything about jonestown um last podcast on the left does a really good series about it I believe My Favorite Murder covers it. I think Cults covers it. I mean, there's so many resources out there. Just give it a listen. Just be careful. Do not listen to the death tapes. Last podcast on the left does have them in their episode. Don't do it. You can literally hear people dying and it is horrifying. It will scar you forever. So just listen with caution and read up about Jonestown uh, so you don't join a cult yourself. I think that is it for this week. I now declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Feel free to email us at areyouafanofthedark at hotmail.com. Are You a Fan of the Dark is all one word. You can also visit us at Are You a Fan of the Dark Pod on Facebook. And we also have our Midnight Society fan club where you can submit your own memories or even just comments about Are You Afraid of the Dark. And you can visit our show notes at midnightsocietyfan.club. And then all of a sudden he explodes. Just explodes.